save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. Third Buffalo takeaway today. An end zone throw. That's going to be a Buffalo touchdown to Gabriel Davis. But he's got some blocks. John Brown zooming inside the five. First and goal, Buffalo. Plenty of time for Josh Allen. Wide open. End zone. Touchdown, Buffalo Bills. This is the Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Nerd. Uh, this makes six. We've made six successfully so far. Uh, you guys can see that are watching, or when you will be watching, that I do have another uh, special guest with me tonight, thankfully. Uh, so you guys don't have to listen to me blabber by myself for a while. So I am joined by uh, Mr. Jeff Bell. Uh, you can catch him on Twitter at uh, For Whom J Bell Tolls. Um, so I'm super excited for this one, actually. Uh, Jeff is also Bill's Mafia, uh, which is very cool. Um, but he's also a big fantasy guy. And um, I like fantasy a lot. I've never really ventured into the dynasty world that much. And that's kind of where Jeff really makes his heyday is in the dynasty world, I believe. So I'm pretty yes. excited about picking his brain on that. Um, but before we really get rolling into everything, um, let's go ahead and uh, Jeff, take the floor, kind of let us know who you are, where you come from and uh, what you're all about, man. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I'm very much involved in fantasy football right now. I, I live in Columbus, Ohio. I am a CPA and so I'm very busy right now, but I, you know, I'm loving it. Um, I do a lot of work over at fantasy pros with um, building up the Debbie content over there. Um, I'm very involved with fantasy intervention. We're doing a lot behind the scenes and I'm doing a lot of content there as well. Uh, that's at join our circle underscore on Twitter, and I do a little bit of stuff behind the scenes with Going for Two as well. Uh, they put a lot of great content out. Um, I, I work back. We've actually been doing a personalized pod series and taking a look at Dynasty Leagues. Um, we kind of go, uh, we have several of the writers, we gather together, we go team by team, we talk about strengths, weaknesses, trade strategies, um, X factors for success, and potential draft options. And that's been a lot of fun um, to be able to dive in and, and get to know. Uh, the people over there a little bit better, but also just to be able to have that customized option. And so it's something that I would recommend for anybody that's in the dynasty league. 
That's awesome. So you obviously are big into numbers, right? So that, yes. that takes you into probably, I, I, we will get into this Debbie for the, those of you like myself that are wondering what this is. I'm guessing it's numbers based and it's, it's got values and things associated with it in some form or fashion. So Jeff's a great numbers guy. I'm a bit of a nerd myself. And of course, like I mentioned, he was Bill's mafia. So it worked out perfect because I always love chatting with Bill's mafia and Jeff's in Columbus, Ohio. And obviously I'm in, you know, Sacramento, California. So. It just proves yet again that the mafia is everywhere, right? And so uh, we look out for each other and we talk to each other whenever we can. So thank you, Jeff, for being here tonight. Uh, absolutely you your busy se- your, it's absolutely your busy season, so I know I'm, I'm pressing your time today. So I really appreciate it. We did get some exciting news today that we'll get to chat about, which is kind of cool. Um, but before we get into that, as what, what we like to do on the Nerd here, the big goal is that we want to chat about some charities and other things that are happening. You know, um, we've had Vegas on, you know, so we get to find out about different communities and different, you know, different diseases and things going on. So uh, Jeff chose this week, um, which is pretty awesome because there's a bunch of little story behind it that we're going to get to chat about. But, um, you know, he chose to go with the, uh, I always met, I know it's NAMI for short, which is the nice and easy way for me to say it. And that's the way that I'll do it for the most part, but it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness, right? So I think this is like uh, you guys that are watching can see it scrolling across the bottom of the screen, just so I don't jack it up. I'm going to stick with NAMI the rest of the way. But um, this is on everybody's minds right now, right? And I think this has always been something that has been like a stigma surrounded about it. I mean, I'm, I'm in my almost, almost a 40 now, you know, growing up in the younger era, this is not stuff you talked about, right? You didn't, you didn't tell people if you were having troubles with things, you know, outside of maybe your partner, right? So Jeff, tell us why you chose this to be your spotlight charity. You know, I, I'm about the same age as you probably. I'm 37, and, and growing up, it's something that I've always struggled with. Um, it's something that I struggled with a lot when I was a teenager, and, it, you know, it's something that I struggled with um, transitioning out of college, one of those things where, you know, I, some of my friends were still at schools and living the college life, and I'm going to the real world, and, and that was a hard change for me. And then it was something that I felt creeping back in when um, we were going through this pandemic, and, you know, we're so isolated from each other. Uh, we're so out of our normal routines, and I think it's – you're exactly right. You know, there's a big stigma around this, and being able to talk about it, being able to get it out, I think is really important and really – giving people a platform and allowing them to feel comfortable. Obviously this is a little bit more public than anything that I've ever talked about before. So um, I thought it was a great opportunity to be able to bring this topic to light um, and just let people know, you know, people are out there struggling and and people are ready and willing to help. Um, You know, that people I've talked so many people around, you know, I'm very involved with the fantasy community right now. And there's, this is a topic that's, um, People try to make themselves available, and so I think it's important to highlight an organization that's doing a lot of this work, especially at the time that we're struggling with right now. Um, you know, their values, they, they talk about hope, inclusion, empowerment, compassion, and fairness, and I think that those are all things that all of us should be doing in our everyday life. Right. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I felt the same way and I, you know, recently I've really kind of, you know, changed my tune on a lot of that. And, you know, part that was well before even the pandemic hit, I had already kind of started a transition where I felt like it was necessary to release some of that stuff, you know, because I feel like if you don't do that, I mean, between your job, um, if you've got kids, uh, wife, you know, everything else that's going on, bills, everything like that's already enough. 
right? You yes, know, and, and, and a lot of people are not good at just doing that. And then you have to, or I don't want to say not doing, not good at doing it, but they have a hard time, you know, dealing with the pressure of that. And then you stack, Hey, now you got to be home with everybody 24 seven, you know, like you're packed in your house now, like you're in a jail cell and yes, they're your family and you love them, but you also like a break away from them a little bit here and there, right? Like going to work is a, a stress reliever sometimes in a, in an aspect before you take on stress. Right. So I was excited. You chose this. Um, I think it's, uh, it, it's something that's being talked about right now, which is great. You know, it's, it, it is trending to be relevant, which is cool because people are able, you see, it's not always great. You know, some of the stuff that people say, you know, like some people take it too far, but you do like scrolling through Twitter and stuff. You see a lot of people that open up about being sober for so long. You know, I've been sober this long, right? Like that's incredible stuff, right? Like I, I I don't know that a lot of people can understand how hard it is to truly undo something like that, you know, mentally in yourself to, to stop drinking or stop doing whatever it is. So, and NAMI, they're not just, you know, their support, they got resources, there's information, there's groups, there's trillion different things, right? I mean. Well, and I think too, you know, you you mentioned substance abuse. And fortunately, that's not something that I've dealt with that I've struggled with. Um, But I do think it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, substance abuse is something that once you get out on the table, there's so many people that are supportive and um, able to help you. And, and something that is obvious to people that they can see around you, whereas dealing with mental health, you know, unless you really get to know somebody, unless you knew them before, you know, that you can see a person walking on the street or somebody, one of your really close friends, and you don't even realize they're struggling. And that's something that I had problems with in the past, even going to that level of opening up, um, talking to my close friends. You know, it was something that, you know, we're part of it, I feel like is we're guys and the age that we are, the way we grew up. Um, it's always been difficult to just confide in somebody like that. And um, just the hope that, you know, you throw some of these organizations out here, we, we make it a topic that we're comfortable about talking about. And it's something that we can progress forward and you know, help people that need help. Yeah. I mean, we grew up very much in the era of man is man, right? You don't, yeah. you, you just take care of people. You don't do, there's no, you don't talk about feelings. What's a feeling, yes. you know, like you don't do that. Like, so yeah. I get, I get, you know, and we, you, you grew up in the Western New York area as well. I actually grew up in Ohio. I grew up in okay, Columbus. So. Uh, well, actually I grew up in Northwest Ohio. So I grew up in a small town in Northwest Ohio. So I've lived in Ohio my entire life. Um, but you know, it's, it's very much the same mentality as a Buffalo as, as right. um, Western New York, where, you know, your blue class, your working collar, or I'm sorry, your blue collar working class, you right. know, and you just kind of deal with those things. You go along with it. Whereas I do feel like now, you know, teen suicide and things like that have become, um, more of a topic and more of a look at type thing. But, you know, where I grew up, it wasn't mentioned. And, you know, we didn't, fortunately, we didn't have lose kids to like that. But um, at the same time, it's, it has always been a difficult thing to talk about. Right. Absolutely. And the other cool thing about why you chose this is another good friend of yours. That's also part of the fantasy intervention community, I believe, right? Doug is. Yeah. Doug is very involved in the fantasy community. Um, he, you know, he's very well known and he's been a big advocate for mental health and um, I'll let you go. <laughs> well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so you can see if you guys are watching, you can see scrolling across the bottom there. Um, so Doug actually started up a it's a, you can follow it at Moose Leagues 
for mental health, right? And so you can go ahead and you can sign up for a dynasty league or you can sign up for a redraft leagues. I believe there's going to be some of those in there as well. So you can take the fun and your love of fantasy football. And Doug is going to use that money uh, to help donate some of that money to NAMI, right? So you're, you, yes. it's a win-win, I feel like for everybody, right? So it's super cool. Um, if you've never done dynasty before, uh, you get to jump in and you can do dynasty in there. If you're a redraft guy, you can do redraft all those normal fees and stuff that you're going to pay to do all the leagues that you're going to be in. You could come jump in one of these leagues, you know, one of those leagues that you are just like, yeah, I'll join. Cause people ask you, well, make this that league because now some of that money is going to go help out a lot of people, right? Instead of it just going into like a Yahoo or whatever, you know, there's still going to be like, you know, I think prizes and things of that nature, right? For winning or yes. whatever, right? So you're still going to win, but you know, some of your money is also going to get donated to an awesome cause. Well, and the biggest thing too is you're bringing together people that are aware of this cause, that care about this cause, and you're creating those relationships. We, you know, we've always played, we've all played fantasy football, and you know, I've I've got a long running league that goes back 20 years, and it's the biggest way that I stay in touch with some of my friends. Whereas in this community, and you're getting involved in fantasy, you're able to reach out and meet new people that have a shared concern and a shared. Um, you know, something that you can create a support network. And, you know, if you, you play fantasy together, you, you talk to each other, um, you know, you talk about trades or you might talk about drafts or you might talk about whatever else it might be. And, you know, maybe you open up some doors that you find some good friends that you're able to confide in if you really need that. Yeah, it's, it's I actually like... I don't do, but I think like one league with people that I'm actually around all the other leagues I'm yeah. in, I just joined like random leagues and started just playing with like random people. Right. And just started kind of randomly started talking to people and it, it introduced me to some other people that I've you know never met. And now I hate chat with them and we talk football and we yeah. do, you know, different things. I mean, I basically like I met one of you in the community and immediately I found out there was like 20 other people in the community because it was like, boom, everybody comes together. Right. So it was like, it's yes. super cool right? You get exposed to so many more people, so many more ideas, you know, and so many different ways to think about the game, look at the game, you know, your draft, your things like that. We're going to get into some of that, you know, and, and stuff like that. But I, I've learned more probably in the past, like, I don't know, six months of just hanging out, you know, being around some of the groups and stuff about fantasy football that I didn't know before. I never even really kind of thought of, you know, like looking at it from that view, which is super cool. So yes, really awesome. Um, you guys can see it that are watching. It's scrolling at the bottom there. Um, you can also find the website scrolling at the bottom, how you can go support them. And if you need the resources, they're there. You can go to that same website and you can find all the links, all the resources and information, all that kind of stuff too. Uh, for those listening, all that stuff will be in the show notes and everything when we're all done with links and everything to get everywhere is to go support NAMI, uh, where you can find the Moose Leagues on Twitter. If you're watching, you can see it. You should have already been there looking at it and link, clicked on it and following and playing along. If you haven't, you should go do that now. All right, go do it now. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So uh, now let's move into some football. We kind of transitioned into some fantasy a little bit. I kind of want to start there with you. We, we mentioned this in the beginning, and I said uh, when you and I were chatting a hair before this, I was like, I need you to tell me what Debbie is because I have no friggin' idea, right? So you are very good at this. You know, I read, I read all about you, and I read your stuff, and you're, you're in a couple different spots doing this, and you're, you're well-known for this, so I feel like you're the right guy to ask. Sure. So Debbie, Debbie, simplest, but 
you know, it's a layer on top of your dynasty league. So dynasty is obviously a layer on top of a redraft league. So you're getting into dynasty and, and, you know, maybe you want to take it the next step. Um, This time of the year, we're talking about rookies. The biggest thing with Debbie is you're jumping into college football and you're getting ahead of the ball. And so a lot of these rookies, you've already essentially the way most Debbie is played is you have about five roster spots at the end of your bench. Um, if you do Dynasty, think about it as taxi, where you can stash five college guys and they come in and they are already on your team. So instead of having a normal rookie draft that you're going to have in a Dynasty league, like you might already have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence on your roster and you've been waiting for three years to be able to join your NFL team. Um, and there's layers on top of that too because there's a, something called Campus to Canton where you're playing two different leagues at the same time. You're playing college football fantasy and then you're playing NFL fantasy and you're owning two teams, but the college players are graduating to your NFL squad. So, I mean, we're talking layers upon layers of well past, you know, if you're typically, if you've only done redraft, I wouldn't recommend going straight to Debbie, but at the same time, you know, maybe if you do like college, it might be something to consider. Um, But I've been playing fantasy for 20 plus years and it got to the kind of thing where, um, you know, I, I loved the redraft leagues and it was great to stay in touch with my friends, but I wanted a little bit more. And I got into Dynasty and I really enjoyed it. And I found out about Debbie and I wanted a little bit more. I've always been a college football fan. And so being able to take that college football fandom, um, you know, I mentioned I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I am a huge Buckeyes fan. Um, so I, I watch college football for 15 hours every Saturday. So being able to apply that to fantasy, I, and I think it's just fantastic. Um, the biggest thing with Debbie that I see moving forward is the big change. Um, if you're a college fan or even if you follow a little bit, player compensation is a big issue right now. And I think as that starts to become solved, um, people will be more comfortable with more of the business aspects and more of the fantasy football aspects. So um, I just think there's a huge opportunity for growth for fantasy football in college football. Um, and so Debbie is an entry level into that. And it's something that I thoroughly enjoy. So you, I'm, I'm guessing, because I obviously haven't done this, but I would guess that that means you can't really mess up, right? Like these guys that you're picking at that college level, have you have to be successful with them, right? I mean, like, because that's what you're, that's your main building block. So this is like a true, like NFL organization kind of type of scenario then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that's what dynasty football is. You know, it's it's like an NFL. You're running an NFL team and um, scouting those young players are very important. And so it's taking a level on top of it. And it's, you know, you might have a pick that hits, you might not. But it's the same thing with we can even apply that to redraft. The biggest thing is you're going to live with things as it goes on. But, um, you know, it's the anybody playing fantasy football, you're not going to bat a thousand. Um, and it's one of those things that it, as long as you're winning more than you're losing, you're probably going to come out pretty well in the long run. Um, I know it can be a very daunting thing to think about and, and be involved with and worry about those things long term. But you know what? Your league mates are worrying about the same things too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everybody's just as strung out, right. Making, making their yeah. moves. Yeah. So, so do you, do you uh, do any redraft anymore at all then? I do do redraft. Um, I've got, you know, I, I love to do an auction league. I, I can't say no to a good auction league. Um, you know, snake redraft. I haven't done. It's been a little while since I've done those. I, I've been in some keeper leagues that did snake leagues, but you were able to trade draft picks and things rolled over and things like that. So for a long time, I've, I've always just wanted layers on top of layers when it comes to fantasy football um, in terms of just doing your standard, normal redraft league. Um, 
that is a normal snake and no keeper and nothing like that. It's been a while, but um, yeah, I've been playing fantasy for 20 years. So I certainly understand that game. Right. So I kind of wanted to ask you some questions about like, um, yep. it's about like, I guess we won't really get into the redraft that much since you don't really mess with it. We can talk about it. Well, I just, I like to hear everybody's like strategy that they try to roll into it with. Right. I mean, every, we're all reading the same things or maybe not all the same things. Right. But we're definitely searching all for the same information. Right. I feel like every person that's coming into a draft is searching for the same information, but everybody kind of tends to go a different route with it. Right. So just say you're in a standard 12 team, you know, just normal scenario, regular redraft, like what's your strategy you're going to walk in the room with. So the biggest thing I like to do, I like to get a running back early. Um, you know, these guys, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, um, guys like that. I usually like to use my first round pick on a running back and lay that in there. Um, I usually like to follow that up with, I'm, I'm the type of guy that I'll grab a tight end a little bit earlier. Um, if you can grab Travis Kelsey in the second round, I love doing that or I'll target wide receivers. Um, so essentially it, what I'll do to build my team is I'll have one stud running back as my goal multiple stud wide receivers, and then kind of the second running back spot and the quarterback spot. I tend to wait on those things because those are positions that um, we've seen recently quarterbacks. So like in my league last year, my redraft league, like I had Tannehill and I got him for free, like at the end of the draft because he wasn't one of the top guys, um, but he still was able to deliver a top type season. You know, we saw with people were lower on, we don't want to talk about him, but Tom Brady, some people <laughs> were lower about Aaron Rodgers, and they, they turned out great seasons. So my biggest approach to redraft is to wait on that quarterback. And then I also like to wait on that second running back spot, just because um, especially if you're playing in a PPR league, these wide receivers that you're going to have on your, your top couple wide receivers, you're going to want to lay that volume in there and make sure you've got some studs there. Typically the flex spots wide receivers are very deep position. I like to have the top guys because I know they're going to be getting the ball. Usually my flex spots are wide receivers because you're able to go a little bit deeper and get guys that can still play. And then I leave my bench. I basically just use my bench for running backs. I just load up on running backs that are, that I think are either, that are either starters this year or, um, you know, the second in that depth chart where the guy in front of them gets hurt and the volume changes dramatically. Um, luckily, luckily last year in my league, I was able to get James Robinson early, like using that strategy, just having those six, seven, whatever it might be bench spots. And I just put them, put running backs all through there because I like to have a good tight end and um, quarterback. I am fine with streaming quarterback. Um, mm. It's one of those things you, you land on a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you just go with him. But at the same time, if you don't, you know, if you're typically in a 12 team league and there's no super flex option, you're going to be able to find a decent starting quarterback on the waiver week to week, but it's, it induces a little bit of heartburn um, but if you, if you hit right, that's a position too, just like the second running back that um, you're able to wait on. And I would recommend that strategy to anybody that's going to play. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially I always try to load up on running backs too, just because they take the beating, right? I mean, they're getting yeah. hit the most, right? They got huge dudes falling on them like all the time, right? And then it's like one dude falls on them wrong and they're they're out six weeks, right? So it's yes. like, it's it's tough. So that's interesting. What would you say is like when you're, when you're talking about waiting on your quarterback, what's the earliest you would say you would be drafting a quarterback? I mean, I wait. I, it's yeah. probably like ninth round type thing, like 10th round type yeah. I'm one of the latest ones, you know, I, I really like to, I like to get the elite wide receivers outside of giving that one stud running back. And then I usually pepper just, I don't like to have a lot of wide receivers on my roster only because 
you know, running backs, we see injuries to the guy in front and the guy's going to come in and he's going to get almost guaranteed volume regardless of kind of skill level. Whereas wide receivers, you know, the offense is going to run through certain guys and, you know, injuries to a wide receiver doesn't necessarily create value into the backup wide receiver or the other wide receiver. So I really try to target just having four or five wide receivers in the middle rounds there that I feel really good about that are going to be primary options for their teams. I like that. I went, I tried this thing for a few years where I did, uh, I took a quarterback at 10 and 11. Okay. I took two really good quarterbacks at 10 and 11 and I tried that for a, a while, but then I always just found myself pissed off when I was trying to have to choose between which guy I should play. Right. So yeah. I ended up winning like a little while with that, you know, but it was like, I eventually just, it was like, I, I felt like I was always picking the wrong guy and I was struggling in every, every other position. Right. It was like, okay, that, yes. that, that spot right there, I should have grabbed more depth or the way that I feel like it's transitioned is that would almost be a better strategy with like a tight end now. Right. Like you try to grab like, this guys that are supposed to be like four and five because it seems yeah. to just be everybody else's trash, right? Like it's tight end has been so tough, right? I, 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 at least I hope I'm not the only person that feels that way because I feel like the tight no. end is like falling well, off we'll the see. roof, right? Like it's like it almost doesn't exist anymore. That's why I grabbed a tight end early, you know. I and I've been big on Darren Waller the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, I grabbed him in my. Um, I did the Scott Fish Bowl last year, and and that was kind of more of a redraft format. And I got Darren Waller in like the fourth, fifth round, and that's a tight end premium league, and he just killed it. I ended up, I actually won the satellite in the Scott Fish Bowl, and so that was great. Um, but Darren Waller was one of my key pieces, so I, I'm willing to, especially if you get to that second round, if you got a good running back, and you know a guy like Kelsey or even a, a Jordan. George Kittle, or you might even go with Waller now that he put that great year together last year. Um, but I like to just, I don't know. It's one of those things where you, and it's funny because you see it during redraft season, you see in August, like people will be like, oh, there's so many potential options that tied in. It's a deep position. And I, I don't buy any of that. I grab my guy early and I just lock it in and I don't even think about it week to week. No, I know. I feel like you, once you said like the top three and I was like, and then we're done. Right. Then after that, it's like it could be a t- just toss in the air any week. Really? I mean, there's nobody else that really has any consistency besides the top three. Yeah. So it, it's a crazy position. I almost feel like they should just get rid of it. <laughs> like just, I, I love it, though. It's my favorite position on the field. I don't know. I don't know. I can't get behind that. I, I really love tight end. I think it's, um, you know, it, maybe we can talk a little bit later about the Bills, but um, yeah, it's, I think it just it just changes the offense, and especially you know, we saw it in the playoffs with the Bills with Travis Kelsey. You know, we just yeah, I mean, him. Um, yeah, and the Bills have said, you know, that that's that's the move that they're trying to make, right? Like they need they understand that you need to be able to stretch the middle with your tight end, right? You, you there's got to yes. be a way you can do that, right? You have to. You absolutely have to. So, so let's transition then since say I'm starting a dynasty uh, for the, you know, I'm getting, I got into one of Scott's leagues, um, you know, so I'm going to be taking over a team and I'm going to be getting to do my rookie draft, right? So I'm only going to be drafting like four people, I think is what it's going to be like four or five people, right? Is what I get, is what I get to pick, right? So what's your strategy um, when you're, I guess it's weird for you because you don't really know the team. I, I mean, you've seen my team that I have, right? Because I actually sent it to you and asked you what you thought of it. But if you were just picked up a dynasty team from scratch and you were just like, in a, you're going to now change your strategy from redraft. I've only got them for one year. Does that change anything for you? Yeah, it changes things dramatically. And it, okay. 
Depends. So I, I really like playing in super flex leagues, especially if you're in a 12 team league. I think that just changes the complexion of the league. And usually in a super flex league, I'm going to grab quarterbacks early. I, I think you have to, um, because especially the young guys that we've seen in the league right now, we had our own boy, Josh Allen, but you've got Mahomes yep. um, is going to be the number one pick in a super draft dynasty league. Um, but you know, Lamar, Dak, um, Watson, all these guys are, are so good. And to get them, you, you know that you're going to have them. Um, your quarterback is so reliable, especially once you've seen the guy produce a couple years. You kind of know you you get Aaron Rodgers for his whole career, and that changes the complexion of your team. Um, so early, I am grabbing those good young quarterbacks, and especially – I'm a big, um, if, if you Google Konami quarterback, I come up as the top guy because I am massive into the Konami code of quarterback. I think it's, you know, I've written about it. I'm just a firm believer that you get these quarterbacks that can run the ball um, just like Josh, you know, and, and these, uh, it just changes your whole team complexion. And especially right now with some of the scoring that we've seen this past year, the, the season that I had, you know, this, you get a couple of these young rushing quarterbacks and they're not in 30, 40 point weeks out of two spots on your roster, and it just changes the complexion of your team completely. Uh, right. Once and, I get past those, oh, go ahead. Yeah, and I was going to say, and the league is transitioning to that, right? It's it's more and more of the quarterbacks that are coming into the league are that style, right? It's going to get to the point yes. where every quarterback feels like they're going to be getting rushing yards in the 50 to 70 yards potentially every week with a touchdown, right? Like that that's going to come into play, I feel like. Yeah, and that's one of the big things that uh, we go back to Debbie that has come up from college football because college football's run the spread offenses for nearly 20 years now at this point, and we've just seen NFL quarterbacks transition to from being the old uh, Jim Kelly standing in the pocket and you know the six foot four guy that's going to deliver the ball, and whereas n- now they're, they're going to take the a running lane if it's available and you get some of these guys like Lamar Jackson that can turn that, you know, that what's an eight yard gain into a 48 yard touchdown now. And it it just changes the game completely. Yeah. It's it's interesting how it's, it's shifted yet. The passing numbers are going up too, right? Like, so it's, it's interesting that they're both trending in that direction, but it also just goes to show that maybe the, everybody complaining about the defense just having like no chance <laughs> is a true thing, right? Because the rules are just so tight on them that it's like nowadays it's like they don't even stand a chance, but well, very cool. Yeah. A lot of it, what it is, is you go back to um, even high school, you know, we're, we're seeing it as crazy because it used to be football would trickle down from the NFL and, and everybody would try to kind of play that style. And now I think it's going the other way. Whereas you're getting a lot of these kids in high school, like they don't want to be the cornerback that's out on the island getting burnt by the wide receiver. They want to be the wide receiver that's catching 15 balls in the game because right. you know, offenses in high school no longer are just running the ball 45 times. You know, they're, they're running spread offenses. So the athletes, even in high school and seventh and eighth grade, you know, they're playing wide receiver and they want to get the ball. And it, it, you play that in your entire career and, and we're just seeing, and I think that's why, why we've seen recently the last couple draft passes and the way the league is right now with young receivers. There's just so many good ones. Right. And that that's absolutely true. Cause like I'm here in California and right up the road, they've got a Folsom high school that they, they, one of the kids on Clemson is the wide receiver from Folsom high school. Right. So, I mean, it's like you're, you're making it to Clemson because the program is throwing the ball all over the place. Right. It's not yes. because you're, you're not the running back anymore. You know, it's not just everybody's going to see the running back and then, yeah, let's see what the wide receivers are doing. It's no, look at these wide receivers are just killing it, which is elevating all the quarterbacks too. Right. It's making yes. a 
lot more fun, obviously, for everybody to watch too. So, okay. So now that we've done that, tell me what I have to do with my four picks. Like I've got, I've got a big decisions to make. Like what's the, what's the move that you make here? Like, am I, am I trying to stash a quarterback for the future? Am I trying to just like score a couple young running backs? I mean, what, what, like, what's my goal? Let me pull up your team here if I can see it. Um, so who's your quarterbacks again? I forget. You got, Kirk Cousins, you got Cousins and oh, yeah, Baker. Nobody that I Baker. really like. But Okay. So you got the 1.7 is your draft pick? Right. Okay. So at, I'm, I'm big on the top four quarterbacks in this class. So in your draft, if one of um, Trevor Lawrence is going to be there, Justin Fields probably is not going to be there. Um, right. If Zach Wilson is there or Trey Lance is there, I think that's a slam dunk pick for you. Um, mm. Who's your tight end? Say that again. Who's your tight end? Oh, I have a Kittle, I believe, right? Okay, you're good at yeah. tight end. Yeah, yeah so the next thing, um, yeah, so I really like the, the seventh pick, though, because there's four good quarterbacks that I really like that I'm certainly taking if they're available. Um, even if you have Kittle, you know, I, I just really like Kyle Pitts. I think he's really good. Um, Jamar Chase is my top wide receiver, and I think there's a little bit of a gap to the second wide receiver. And yeah. um, the three good, the top three running backs, I think, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, and Travis Etienne, I think there are there's a gap between them and the fourth running back. So really uh, being the structure that it is and knowing who your quarterbacks are, I would one of the top four quarterbacks would be might be my first priority with that pick if they're available. Um, yeah, I I would be it's so this is a safe league, so it's tight end premium scoring. So Kyle Pitts, if he's there, um, yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised, but that's that could be a great pick with you because putting two very good tight ends in this storing scoring structure as your one of them as your flex can give you a big benefit. Um, or grab one of these running backs. Okay. I like that. And then after that, just pretty much though, you're you're saying that the value at two after that is kind of just it's just hit or miss. What I'm I can just pretty much go after whatever I'm feeling. Yeah, the the drop rate really starts to fall as you get out of the first round. Really, as you get out of the top like fourteen, fifteen players in this rookie draft, I think then then you're starting to kind of swing. And um, I the mock I've done a whole bunch of mock drafts that you know being in the fancy community and a whole bunch of rookie mocks. And usually that second round. Um, find a good wide receiver that you like out of the group of like guys like Tylen Wallace or um, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, some of those guys, Terrence, Terrence Marshall. Um, I, I would use that second round pick on a guy like that. Usually when I'm playing dynasty, I like to make sure that I have a very good young wide receiver base. That's my second goal after I've gotten my quarterbacks taken care of is to make sure I have good young wide receivers. And you want to have a lot of depth in that wide receiver core because um you know, like we talked about, like running backs could be a little bit uh, roster dependent, like injury dependent. Um, so I, I really like to load up and concentrate on having a good young core of wide receivers so that I'm able to have a bench full of those running back dart throws. Um, and then once you get to the third or fourth round, you know, as you read things, you see maybe there's a guy that stands out, but really those are just kind of swings. Um, okay. Yeah, it's so that third round hit rate, that fourth round hit rate is not huge. Um, it's just kind of pieces that you're, you're thrilled that they hit, but you're not expecting anything to hit. Awesome. That way I won't feel bad when I don't do any of it right. <laughs> you know, I got to at least get one track. right, I think, right? I imagine one of those top seven guys is going to hit at some point to be worthwhile, right? It, it, yeah, so. and I really go. I think there's really um, – 
you got top nine, 10, even you want to be in the top probably 13 or 14 picks. Like I mentioned, okay. uh, I think you go to, I really like kind of the, um, I'm a big Rashad Bateman fan. I think he's really good. I think Rondell Moore is really good. Um, we saw obviously Devonta Smith with the Heisman. So there's some good young wide receivers that are at the top there in that first, second round turn. But it, it does fall off once you get past those. Cool. That's good info. Thank you. I appreciate Thanks, that. Man. Uh, really good. So uh, you want to talk about what actually happened today? That's pretty exciting for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, or or maybe it's not exciting. I've heard I've now I don't know if you've you've been venturing through Twitter, I'm sure, since this has taken place. I've seen some different sides of this coin, actually, where some people are kind of disappointed, actually, with this move. And then, of course, there's people that are elated. I I'm kind of in the middle on it. I, I feel like it was something that. I don't know that Milano is necessarily the guy that I want, but what Milano means as far as how good of a free agent he's supposed to be, those guys typically leave Buffalo. They don't come to Buffalo, right? Or stay in Buffalo, right? And him staying in Buffalo is more important to me than how good or maybe he doesn't turn out being, right? Like, And I felt like it was a good deal overall. Money-wise, great deal. What do you think? I think it was a really good deal. Um, you know, we, we see the stories around him kind of, he, he said, you know, I didn't he didn't want to test free agency. He wanted to stay with the bills. Um, I think you look at the defensive structure that the bills run. It's really important to have, you know, we see Edmonds and we see Milano and they stay on the field in almost every single package on every single down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, it's really big to keep that spot there. Um, obviously I would love to see him, be healthier, be on the right. field more, be right. available. Um, that's certainly something that I worry about. Um, but we, we just talked about, you know, the defenses struggle to keep up with offenses, and he's the type of guy that he can cover. He can get by covering running backs and get by covering tight ends. Um, and maybe in a pinch, he can play a zone and, where a wide receiver might go in. And so that, I think that he's a really good piece, key piece there. Um, I think we saw against Kansas City, we need to continue to build up some of the defensive pieces. So it's nice to lay that linebacker in there, know he's going to be next to Edmonds, know that they're going to you know, be able to grow together, be able to be um, 1A, 1B um, in the middle of the defense and as some of the defensive structure changes around them. Yeah, that's it. You just hit on the other key piece for me, too. I think that the reasoning behind it, too, for the team is the continuity. We're seeing we're seeing how well the continuity works. Right. When you actually can do that process that you can continuity can take you so far. Right. Like it it really can. And I think people underestimate that because this is a 11 v 11 sport. Right. It's it's kind of tough to imagine that that would really make a difference with that many variables, 11 v 11. But when you can keep, I feel like we've seen it with Josh and unfortunately we lost smoke to, you know, recently here, which he was part of what the big change to me. I mean, him and Cole, the way that they ran themselves and worked this team, they were the big pieces to the puzzle. Right. So I don't know. Do you, do you agree that that's kind of the continuity to you? Is it, is it huge? I mean, you always talk about it on the offensive line, right? Like how important that is. But if you remember the bills, when they went to four AFC championships, it was Cornelius, it was Daryl Talley. You had Shane Conley. That, that was a team that they rolled together for multiple years. Right. And that's how they were successful. Yeah. Yeah. And the biggest thing. So, you know, we've been fans for a long time and we saw when McDermott came in and they basically stripped the roster down and there was very few actual NFL players on the roster, but there was huge buy in. 
with everybody mm-hmm. that, and, and I think it's been important. Um, you know, the Milano signing is important, but I think the, the bigger, more important signing was Tredavious White taking care of him. Um, you know, we, we saw when, when Ralph Wilson was the owner, you know, Ralph Wilson did some great things in the NFL, but it seemed like year after year, especially at the cornerback position, we'd use a first-round pick on a quarterback, the guy would be a stud, and he'd walk immediately. And we'd go back, be right back to using a first-round pick again. And I think it's important as you're building that team continuity, that team buy and getting the right culture around there that guys know that they're going to be taken care of financially by the team. Um, so that they look at, you got your main core and you guys are going to buy in and they're going to try harder when they know that, you know, this is somewhere that I can be long-term. This is not a cheap organization that's going to just allow me to walk to free agency and I'm just running the clock out. And this is something that I care about. And I care to be here. I, I think that um, Bean and McDermott have just done an amazing job of nailing these, especially the some of the middle round draft picks of getting guys that are culture fits and that, but can also play. You know, these guys can play. Milano can play. Um, Tredavious White's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Right. Um, Edmonds, I think he needs to make some steps, but it's there. And so taking care of those guys, and obviously we got a big one coming up that we're going to have to take care of. Uh, but that's the biggest thing. It, you know, we saw saw this year with Diggs coming in, you know, he was kind of cast as a malcontent in Minnesota and we didn't see any of that. You know, he was thrilled to be there and we saw with the JJ Watt stuff, he's out there leading the charge, trying to get JJ Watt to Buffalo. Um, So that's the biggest thing that, you know, taking care of your guys, knowing that they can be taken care of and keeping that core together. Well, and I think it helps now too, that we probably can say pretty safely that I feel like that we have a successful quarterback for the next 10 years, right? That, that makes it very easy for me to want to go play with a team, right? Cause right now you, you're yep. seeing in the league, there's a separation in the quarterback room, right? And the yes. teams that don't have a successful quarterback right now are at the bottom and we just aren't there anymore, right? We spent 20 years there, right? We, we finally hit the mark. And I think that that's the big change. I feel like, these signings to me and all the shifts with the contracts, restructuring guys, taking pay cuts to stick around. You're seeing what the Patriots did for 17 years when they were successful, they got guys to take pay cuts and then they got every free agent that wanted to come there. And those guys also came in cheap because they wanted to win a Super Bowl, plain and simple. Right. And I feel like we're transitioning to that. Yeah. And even, you know, we missed on JJ Watt, but you, if you read some of the stories about his signing, um, we were, from everything that I read, we were number two, but you read some of the financial things, there were teams that were blowing Buffalo out of the water. Like, we weren't, we were trying to buy him. It wasn't the Mario Williams situation where we're trying right. to throw a whole bunch of money at this guy just to get him to come to Buffalo. Like, we were we were supposedly number two, maybe number three, whatever it might have been, but um, from everything I read, we offered a lower financial package, and I think that's smart because he's he is an older guy. He's, he's a big name, but it, you know, that play starting to tail off a little bit and you don't want to get caught overpaying for an older guy like that. And it, it speaks a lot to what the culture's built that, um, the bills were to be, be able to be one of the finalists there while also not being the team that, you know, I, I think for a long time we would have been the team that the bills were in the final three, but they offered $20 million more than the team that they actually went to type thing. Whereas like we're right. kind of on the opposite end of that. Yeah, do you feel like uh, that they were holding any of the money that they gave Milano for Watt? Or do you think that it was just, this is where we're at, Watt. It, it is what it is. We got to make this deal over here that we know we're going to make. If yeah. if, it, if it works, it works. We'd, we'd love to have you, right? But yes, this is where we're at. I think that's, I think I kind of lean that way. Um, you know, I, 
the salary cap's real. And obviously with the contract that's going to be coming up with Josh Allen, but at the same time, I tend to believe that, you know, we've seen the saints forever, just kind of maneuver things around. You know, if you've been a Bills fan long enough, you remember the Jarius Bird story where, you know, we had this all pro safety and suddenly all of a sudden he's in new Orleans when they were, didn't have any cap space at all. And so I think that huge contract, I'm a huge contract. Yeah. Yeah. Out of the blue. Um, I do think that teams are, you know, I'm an accountant and uh, there, there's some creative things that you can do um, with your books. Sometimes, obviously I would never do anything like that, but um, operating within the rules um, that we see these teams, they move the money around, they move bonuses around, they sign a guy to a longer term deal, they push money back. Um, So I I think that where there's a will, there's a way when it comes to money and, and teams are able to make it work. Um, I, I think the biggest thing we saw when Wilson was the owner, I don't know that there was the, always that appetite to go up to butting up to the cap. And I think with uh, Pinkula, right. it's been a little bit of a different culture in that regard. Um, we're going to, they're going to spend the money. They're going to take care of the guys and you know, that it leads to buying. It leads to, uh, you know, the process. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it leads to winning. I mean, yes. from what we've seen, it leads to winning, right? Yes. When you, when you're more successful with your money, uh, it, it appears, that you get more wins, right? So, and Bean's been, he's been very good at that so far. And like we've kind of hit on, we, I, I know we were going to touch on a little bit, um, but did, do you think we're going to be able to still keep Williams? And do you want to keep Williams? Um, I'm looking on Williams. Right tackle. Oh, yeah. Oh, gotcha. Daryl Williams. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do. I, I want to keep the line together. Um, it's, I don't know. I think that we desperately need to add pass rushers. Um, I think that we saw against Kansas City, and especially we saw today, that they got rid of um, Schwartz and they got rid of Eric Fisher. That And another guy. They gave up three offensive linemen today. Yeah, yeah, we got to get to Mahomes, you know, and and I think that we're in a very awkward position with Mahomes because we are the team that traded him away. And so I think it's going to be it would be the Bills fan thing if you know we hit on Josh Allen and we lose that guy that we traded away year after year. So we're going to have to use those draft resources and maybe use some free agency to load up on that defensive line after the, the quarterback. But yeah. I do want to see the continuity on the offensive line. You know, I'd love to see Williams. I'd love to see Feliciano stay. Um, I think that they've been big leaders. But at the same time, you know, we, we need – Cody Ford's been better once we moved him into guard. Um, Dawkins has been, uh, you know, what what we want at left tackle. Um, Morris, he started out great and he really fell off, but we need to start getting some younger pieces on that offensive line too. Yeah, I do like the idea, though, of having both my tackles shirt up for the next four years, right? If I can pull that off and, you know, Williams, I think it'll be 32 at the end of that. You know, Dawkins would probably be in line for another two or three year deal after that still. You know, he's young enough. But so, Speed, we were talking about you've mentioned it a couple of big times that we've got a big contract coming up. And I think we just kind of got the bar set the other day by Dak Prescott, you know, like in I when I saw the number, I was like, no, thanks. Like, I, I, f- I feel like there was like other if that was the number, I would have gone different routes. I mean, I feel like I would have just been like, hey, New York Jets, do you want Dak Prescott? Like, just like I'll, I'll give him to you. Give me the number two yeah. pick. I'll give him to you. I'll and I'll take this guy that fields at two and I'll pay him twenty two million dollars next year and, and and call it good for the next four years and see if he works out instead of paying you huge money. Biggest thing with, 
I don't know. I see. I feel like we're in a little bit of a different spot with Dallas because Dallas needs to continue to build that defense. But I'm I'm a believer. You know, we've already touched on the salary cap and being able to find creative ways and being able to find money when you need it. Um, but I it's really hard to put it into concept because we didn't see the salary cap increase like we normally do due to COVID. And so that changes the dynamics a little bit. And if we're going to be, you know, we sit here in March and I would still kind of be surprised if we see full stadiums this year. So, so in that regard, you know, I'm a big believer that, um, you know, live sports are going to be continue to be the most valuable entertainment package and the money involved is just going to continue to rise. So in that regard, I, I think that you can still build a team around the guy. And if I've got a guy that has hit that I feel comfortable with as my quarterback, you know, we, we had 20 years of looking for one of those. Guys. Right. I'm not going gonna to give him up. Um, you know, I, I do. I'm a big Justin Fields fan. Um, if he were sitting there too, you know, that would be something that I would swallow hard and consider. Um, but at the same time, it's, I don't know. It, I think Dak is very, very good. And I, I'm, I'm willing to pay the money to keep him around. I, I believe Josh is a little bit or a lot bit better than him. Um, and certainly we better back. We better not lose that guy. Right. Well, I mean, I agree. And I get what you're saying. Cause I felt when Mahomes signed that 10 year deal, I'm like, that's dumb, right? Like you in five years, your value might be middle of the pack, right? But with the way the salary cap can go up, like yep. that's why I feel like Dax Dax contract at four years. I hope we do something similar to that. I want a four to five year deal with Josh and I want to give him an opportunity to earn another contract when the money comes up again. But I feel like he, now we're looking at at least 180 for Josh, right? I mean, like four, four years, 180 minimum now, right? If Dak's going to get that money. Yeah, it'll come in. You know, we see it, especially with quarterbacks. Every single quarterback that gets signed, the guy becomes the highest paid quarterback. I know, right? It's so annoying. It's, it's, yeah, it's every single one. Yeah. Um, if Allen can continue to grow, if, if he is truly what he showed this past year, and I have every reason to believe that he is, you know, he's, we see him as a physical specimen. We see the improvement that he's put in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't hesitate to give him that money. I think it's just the nature of the game. And especially, you know, I lived through Lossman. I, I lived through the Drew Bloods. I lived through Trent Edwards. I lived through EJ Manuel. Um, Josh. When, when Tyrod was the saver. Yes, I, mean, yeah, I would think, give him a blank check. Kyle, if you, had, if you had a chance right now to uh, swap out Fitzpatrick for what we currently have, would you do it? No, for Josh, what are you no, talking? not for Josh, just as the backup. As the backup, yeah, um, right now. Or do you want to stick with Barkley? Yeah, if he's if he's going to. So I don't know. So we got to kind of see what we have with From too. I, I think that. Right. So so I'm a believer. I think the right way to build your quarterback room is you want to have the young guy and the old guy backing him up until he's to the point where he's the franchise guy. And then you want the young cheap guy backing him up. Um, I I don't know that. And so I think Barkley has been invaluable for Josh to be a mentor, to be in the room. Um, But you're going to get to that point and we might already be there where Josh is the guy unquestionable. And he doesn't need a coach quarterback in the room and you can put a young cheap guy behind him. And, you know, maybe 
God forbid Josh goes down for a handful of games and Fromm comes in and he's passable, you know, then we might have an asset behind there that you can flip and turn into something else. Whereas we know what we got with Parkley. Um, so in that regard, I think that I don't, I have a hard time believing that Fitz is going to be comfortable just walking into a situation where he's the 100% sure backup. Um, right. Certainly, I love Fitz. I love what Fitz meant for the team when he was here. You know, I, he's a very fun guy. Um, it'd be great to have him around, but I don't know that we need that, um, that level of backup. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. About I'm kind of still on the I want a decent like kind of veteran back for about two more years because I want to give Josh about five years to do, really develop before I need him to start developing other players, right? Because, sure. but I agree, and I I think the only change that we need to make at the backup position is when if when Josh goes down or if he ever goes down the drop off in the way that we have to run the offense is too much for me. Right. So I feel like a guy like Fitzpatrick would at least be able to step in and still be willing to sling it all over the place the way that we're supposed to be. Right. And Barkley, I don't get that, but I can also see, and I, I kind of believe right now that he's probably going to be the guy again next year. Right. I think money wise, and he knows the system he has in Josh's relationship. I mean, I feel like it's a McDermott, like there's just, I mean, there's probably too many things to stack up, but it would be a nice sign to me if they did move on from him and they went after another veteran backup to show me that they are going to get better at every position, no matter what. I think that, you know, we talk about salary being a construct and the cap and whatnot, but um, we just need to really shore up some of these other pieces. That, that defensive yeah. line, you know, Trent Murphy was, he's another good guy, but you know, that was a, a roster clogger spot. Um, I'm, we need to see a lot from Epinesa if he's going to hit, if he's going to be there. And I think we need to see a lot from Ed Oliver too, if he's going to be a franchise level guy. And you know, Jerry Hughes is our one big guy that's shown up year after year, but right. I, I don't know. There's going to be a cliff there waiting. So <laughs> if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to spend money, I, I just don't want to spend money on the backup quarterback. Um, yeah. That's, that's the position that if I'm comfortable with my starter, I just don't, I don't want to spend money on it. You know, if, if Barkley were to do a veteran minimum deal, he's been paid a little bit more than that the right. last couple of years. Um, if he, you know, if he takes the minimum deal, sure. You know, it's great to have him around. Um, but to spend actual money on a backup quarterback is something that I'm really not on board with. Yeah. We might not be able to afford it really anymore either. Realistically. Yeah. Right. I mean, who knows, but so, Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, my, my biggest thing is we look at free agency and we saw Bean's press conference at the end of the year. Um, if we're going to spend money in free agency, I I want a tight end. You know, it's been that, – that's the other thing. You know, we've been Bill Sands for 20 years. Like, when's the last time we had a tight end? Like, when's like a real standout guy like Jake Reamer's ma? I don't know. It gets the only, forever. The only guy I can really remember even enjoying watching that we've had was Pete Meslar. Like, yeah. He was just fun. He wasn't even really that great, but I mean, he was, he was at least fun to watch. And I wish we had a big, tall, lanky guy like that right now that, you know, was running all over the place like Pitts, but he's never going to fall our way. Right. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, and I, and well, if you go look last June, I, Trent Ross, Trent Murphy didn't make my roster. I, I dislike Trent Murphy with a passion. Like I, what we were paying him at that 
he was he was not even on my team last year, right? He would have been long gone. And then when they just benched him for the last six games of the year, it was like, yeah, why didn't we just do that at the beginning of the year? That was ten million, right? That was ten million dollars right there, right? That we just let hang out on the bench, and it looked like he was having a great time hunting. I mean, so I'm happy. I'm happy for him in that aspect, right? Like he looks like he's really enjoying himself. And and I and as much as I dislike him, if he wanted to come back for like two million dollars next year, I'd be okay with that. Just because he's a piece that knows the system, and if somebody goes down, he can fill in and be semi efficient. But I'm not paying you ten million dollars to do that, right? Like he no. should be getting like paid nothing to do that. Like we're going to use you like twenty five snaps this year, right? Like yes. or or if we need to really conceal the edge because he's good at that. I will give him that. He's good at the running quarterback when they try to go to the edge. He's fairly good at that. I will give him that as much as I dislike him. But I do want a tight end as well. And I think everybody's clamoring for Knox to just really figure it out and not drop the ball that hits him right in the hands, you know, and continue to make the catch that he's not supposed to make the catch, right? Well, and my biggest thing too is we add a tight end. It doesn't mean we're going to get rid of Knox. Right. And, you know, and if he still hits, suddenly we have two good tight ends. Dude, and that's yeah. a great thing. You know, that creates a lot of different packages that we're able to do. It creates a lot that we're able to do. Um, hopefully improve the running game a little bit, having two tight ends on the field. Um, but if you've got two tight ends that are pass coaching options, you know, that, you know, we saw with New England what that. Yeah, they crushed teams for years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. When they had uh, Gronk and Hernandez, yeah, like yeah, that good. was. That was a pain to deal with. And and so it, just because we want to get a different tight end doesn't mean we want to get rid of Knox or give up on him. Um, they, it'd be nice to have two good ones. Right. And there's not many teams doing that right now, too. Right. So you'd be able to transition into something that nobody else is really doing right now. So you'd have a little bit of leg room, probably at least a couple games where it would take teams a little bit to catch up with what you're trying to do now. Right. And it's like, wait a second. Why are two guys running up the middle? That's not supposed to happen, right? Why aren't, like, why aren't they both blocking? What's going on, right? So, cool. So if you – we're going to miss some stuff that I wanted to chat about, but that's cool. Who are you or what position group are you going with at 30 in the draft? It's weird. You know, I'm not used to that pick. You know, it's right. forever. For We got an early pick or whatever. Um, so it's that's kind of a weird spot because it'd be nice to see somebody fa- fall and just go best player available and use the value there. But at the same time, it'd be nice to um, you'd just lock up a guard like Wyatt Davis or um, I, I don't know. You know, we, we it's hard to know who's really going to be there. I'd, I'd love to see a guy like J.C. Horn fall or like maybe get a little bit aggressive and go get him and lock down that other cornerback spot opposite Trey White. Um, I think a big corner in our scheme would be fantastic. Um, that'd be a nice fit or just edge rushers. Um, just continue to, to swing on those and hopefully hit on some of those and be able to heat up Patrick Mahomes a little bit would be my biggest targets. Um, obviously, being a big-time fantasy guy, you know, I'd love to be one of those running backs. Um, if Najee Harris were still there or even a guy like ETN or Javante Williams, just to give us that extra element. Um, you know, it's – I don't know. I think we're in a very good spot in terms that we can just take best player available and it would – we don't have a glaring need other than maybe building up some of that defensive line or some of the offensive line depth, but at the same time, any spot would help the roster. Yeah. I have a feeling we're going to move back. I could, yeah. I think, that's I think Bean's going to take it, right? I think he's going to take it, pick up an extra second and just move back a little bit and, and, and take a, you know, two in the second. I feel like that might be something he tries to do, but I, if we're there and there's a great offensive lineman available or defensive lineman, I'm all for it. I do want to see some speed at the running back position in this 
in this draft at some point or another. Like I'm not sold on the running back room right now. I, I, I like Moss and I think that Moss is going to be very productive for us. But I, I, as I'm watching, going back and watching games, I see holes and I just don't see guys getting to the hole. Right. I feel like the speed level is, is just not there right now. So I, I'd like to see some of that, but I am a hundred percent on board with you too, where I just feel like it's nice to be in the position where we can literally just be like, eh, we'll just see who's here. Right. Like yes. we'll see what happens. We got some spots we could fill. Right. So like, let's just see who's there. Right. We'll see what happens. Well, met- mentioning a trades, um, a really good idea because we see it, you know, being at the end of the first round there, you see guys that are on the board that team get excited because they don't want to wait overnight to make that pick. And right. I think that you see some of the most value is reaped in um, teams that are get antsy, don't want to wait 24 hours or whatever it is to make that pick. And then they just get a little bit aggressive and go up and get that spot. And I'd be, I'd love to do that. I'd love to move down and, and recoup some value, continue to get a couple of more swings. Yeah. I mean, well, and we've seen that these guys do pretty well in two and three too. Right. So, I mean, going back into the second round and third round, isn't necessarily detrimental for us. You know, we've, we've seen it work so far. So very cool. We're coming up on almost an hour here, Jeff. Um, I appreciate all your time. I know you're super busy. I want to give you an opportunity here uh, before we close out to just kind of let everybody know what you got going on. You know, we, you'll be able to get uh, in the show notes where Jeff's at. You know, you see it scrolling across the screen, but anything you got going on that you want everybody to know about, you know, I know you guys got join our circle fantasy intervention. You could probably talk about that stuff for another hour about all the stuff you got going on, but why don't you let people know what you're up to? So right now, uh, the biggest thing is focusing on building um, Debbie content at Fantasy Pros. Um, they, they're they getting into the Debbie game. Um, so I, I lead the team over there, and we're just trying to build as much as we can. Um, right now, it's it's a hard time of the year for um, the people that I work with, both for me working so much in my personal life, and also everybody's kind of transitioning off there, um, to just finishing this, the football season, and kind of it's a little bit of a downtime that's going to ramp up as we get through free agency and through the draft. Um, so right now, right now it's a lot of, um, putting things behind the scenes, if more to, so to say, and getting ready for, um, there, there's going to be some big things coming. I'm not quite ready to talk about yet. Um, but we, I am trying to crank out some articles and, and doing some Debbie content and some player profiles and, um, just writing some fun articles here and there for fantasy and intervention. Um, that's my content. There has been a little bit more NFL focused. Um, I, I just love football. I love, I can talk about right. it all day long. So, that's awesome. And uh, obviously, I'm going to have links to everything for you guys to get to all the stuff, the fantasy intervention. I've got quite a few more of the folks from the fantasy intervention team and the join our circle team actually coming up uh, in the next couple of months. Super sharp people. Uh, definitely know way more about fantasy than I do. And uh, probably most of you listening, I hope, you know, so hopefully part of the goal of the show is to learn something as we're going through this, too. You know, instead of, you know, besides the charities that we get to chat about, you know, learning new things and catching up on new things and finding out how other people are enjoying football, you know, the way that we love it. So, Jeff, I can't say enough, uh, you know, about how much I appreciate you coming on. I know you're, you're a super busy guy. Um, you know, make sure you guys go check out, you know, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Um, you, that's going to be in the show notes. Make sure you guys check out the Moose Leagues. I'm going to have that in there. You can see that scrolling across the bottom. If you haven't done that already for some reason, I don't know why, but you do have another opportunity, like, 
right now to go do it if you want to, right? Just in case it will still be there. So you can go check it out. So uh, please go do that. Doug's doing a great thing over there. And just if you, you know, you need somebody to talk to, you're looking for some support, you know, somebody that might need somebody to talk to any of that kind of stuff, shoot them that website, you know, and there's, there's a ton of stuff there. Um, you know, maybe just, you know, also just offer to chat, right? Because a lot of times I think uh, nowadays I find that when people are having a hard time, it's, it's surprising how you just say, Hey, how you doing? People will kind of just start opening up to you. Right. So I think everybody's looking for that, you know, just kind of way to communicate what's going on with them. So if you know somebody needs some help, need somebody to talk to shoot them over there, um, you know, come on, follow along on Twitter. There's a lot of fun stuff. People interacting, doing good things over there too. So um, if you guys want to support the show, um, you know, first off, thanks for being here. Everybody you're hearing this, you're watching this. I appreciate it. You know, I'm doing it because I enjoy chatting with these great folks and hopefully you guys get value too. So if you want to support the show, you can head to buffalonerd.com. Check it out there. Of course, like it, subscribe it, you know, do all that stuff. YouTube, hit the bells, Facebook, all that good stuff. So, Jeff, thank you again, sir. Let's get out of here so you can uh, continue to probably crunch numbers. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed this talk and uh, just very thankful that you reached out to have me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you too, man. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Buffalo Nerd with Colt Schroeder. Before you go, make sure you hit that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Find Colt on all social channels at The Buffalo Nerd and at The... You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.